Welcome back, everybody. This is Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia. And you are listening to Encounter with God with or, the world's hardest quiz. Or we could just sit here and uh, and listen to me eat. Oh, Mon, yes. Because <laughs> I'm really hungry. Because <coughs> I slept through three alarms this morning and did not have breakfast. Okay. Yes. But we will. You, you, we can, will. you can multitask. You can eat, talk on the radio. Um, I'll just mute my microphone as I munch. Mo- uh, knit or crochet, crochet or whatever crochet. it is. Um, you're learning, you're learning. Yeah, there you go. I'm impressed. I'm impressed yeah. myself. But the thing is, I'm eating all kinds of crunchy foods. I'm having cornflakes and toast. It's kind of a noise. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll mute my microphone. <laughs> uh, I really hope my boss isn't listening. Okay, okay, okay. Let me hit you with another clue for this crazy hard quiz. You can, of course, jump across to our Instagram where this clue has been live for the last half an hour already. Okay. Okay. Clue number three. Recab and Barna stabbed me to death while I lay in my bed, then cut off my head and took it to David. All right. Now I'm on to it. That is so gory. This actually relates to mm. yesterday's encounter with God. Ooh. How about that? The split? Yes. Okay. Because this person, I'm going to give a, a, a couple of extra hints away right now. Wait, 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 wait. Because, because you might give away the next clue, so don't give away anything The yet. next clue is uh, something about um, one of the... Okay, I'm just reading it here. The bottom two. But okay. do, do you know whether or not it's a, um, a guy or a girl? I'm pretty sure it's a guy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's guy. a guy. Okay. Because the name, the name is so bizarre, I, I literally can't tell the gender from it. It's one of those names where you're like, I don't even know... If that's uh, any language, <laughs> if someone just threw some letters, <laughs> yes, at the and page. Um, there's 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 two of these, <laughs> there's two of these guys, um, and I'm just trying to remember which one of the two it is right now. So it'll come. So to you me still don't know the name, do you? I have. You know the character, but you know the, you know the I, name. I, I, I know the character. I've got one of the names of two of of these two guys, and I think I might have the wrong name. Uh, give us a call quick. Tell me who it is before Lyle gets the I'm right name, it, and I right will one. give you double prizes. One eight hundred. Uh, Faith FM is our number. It's 1-800-324-843. If you don't want to talk to us, that's fine. You can text us. 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Oh, oh, what? you got it right. There you go. You got it right. He wrote it, he wrote mm-hmm. it down on his notepad mm-hmm. and he's got it right. How do you even know how to spell that? Did I spell it right? You did. <laughs> awesome. I mean, you missed a hyphen because it is a hyphenated name. Oh, but okay. uh, but you, you did spell it right. I'm I'm, I'm seriously impressed. Lyle. <laughs> uh, owned it. You did. There you you did. But let's get into well, our encounter with quiz. God. All right, encounter with God. We are talking about uh, unity in the church. In fact, we are not talking about unity in the church. We are talking about schism in Corinth. Yes, disunity in the church. That's <laughs> all about today. Okay, so if you are in a church and it is full of schism then this Bible study is for you. If you are in a church where there are divisions, then this Bible study is for you. If you are in a church that is so messed up that you think maybe this is not God's church, then this Bible study is for you. We need to find out when. Uh, how do we deal with schism, what causes schism. Uh, we need to find out when does a church cease to be God's church? When When is it that you need to leave that church? What is it that actually defines a church being God's church apart from being something that is just an instrument of, of darkness. I'm very nervous now. You just said we need to leave the church and when and ooh. Yeah, absolutely. There is a time to leave a church, definitely. There is a time when a church becomes an instrument of darkness, an instrument of the devil, and it is time to get out. The Bible says, come out of her, my people. 
Oh, really? This God's is, people. This is going to be interesting. God says, my people come out of her. All right, and that's referring to uh, a church. A woman in, in, in Bible always symbolizes a church. So if you're coming out of her, that means you're coming out of a church. When do you do actually do that? Mm. What, what is the difference between – if your church is just full of divisions and strife and arguments, does that mean that it is no longer God's church? Mm, stay tuned. We're going to be talking about – Lyle is going to be very controversially talking about when to leave a church. Okay, so <laughs> if you have an opinion on this, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number. Put it in your phone right now and get ready to weigh in on the controversy so here it comes mon can you read for us first corinthians chapter two chapter one and verse two i am writing to god's church in corinth to you who have been called by god to be his own holy people he made you holy by means of christ jesus just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our lord jesus christ their lord and ours okay so who is this letter addressed to the first uh, line of two. Uh, God's church in Corinth. Okay, so the letter is addressed to God's church. So if you go to uh, this particular church, uh, this was a church that was founded by the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Uh, some years previously, not many years previously. This was a church that um, is called God's church. So if you were to go to God's church, that was actually a, a church plant by the Apostle Paul, Mon. Mm. What kind of a church experience would you expect to have there? I mean, I'd be expecting a pretty good one, to be honest. I was like one like a super church kind of experiences. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'd expect this. Is, okay, the Bible is very clear. This is God's church. Yeah, the Bible is very clear. This was founded by the Apostle Paul. Yeah, therefore this is going to be a really be like, awesome church. Yeah, I expect him to be ship shape, running really smoothly. Everyone, you know, know their roles, doing their roles. Lots of peace and harmony. Like it's like if Paul founded it, and it's God's church. Like, mm, I'd, I'd be expecting to be impressed. But you have also read the book of. First Corinthians, right? I have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, read for us verse 10. Verse 10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's stop there for a moment because uh, Paul is starting to allude to some stuff here. So here's how Paul writes letters. Paul writes letters by um, outlining, you know, he, he begins his letters by a long, flowery introduction, typically. Oh, it's so wonderful to be able to talk to you guys, blah, 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 blah. Does he then beat them over the head? <laughs> like, write, writes lots of nice stuff. There are two books where he more or less skips or shortens that introduction and goes straight in and goes hard. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians and Galatians. <laughs> his churches were messed up. And notice here that he's talking about unity and he's beseeching them to be unified. And be of one mind and one purpose. I feel like that might be the hardest things for humans to do ever. That there be no divisions among you. That you be perfectly joined together. Okay, so he is he is calling here for unity. Why is he calling for unity? The reason that he is calling for unity is found in First Corinthians chapter mm. 3 and verse 3. Let me turn my pages. 3 verse <coughs> 3 says... If I can find it. Oh, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Wow. Mine says, for you are yet carnal. Mm-hmm. For there is envying, strife and division amongst you. Aren't you carnal or unconverted and walk as men? Strong language right here. So this is the very first thing we find out about the church in Corinth. This was a church that was bitterly and deeply divided. And Paul makes it very clear that the whole church was unconverted. 
That's a pretty strong. He says you yeah. are all carnal. The entire church, like wow. The entire church is unconverted. All right. If you've ever been a member of a church where every other person in the church other than you is unconverted, give us a call. I suspect that, um, yeah, you know, there's some times when your unconversion may have shone through too. I know mm-hmm. that in my experience there are times when I lose my connection with God and act as a human being and have done so in uh, church circumstances and it never goes well. But here you've got a whole church. The whole, whole church, church is just unconverted. So how can you have a whole church that is unconverted and yet is called the Church of God? We're going to find out the answer to that question as we go through today's study. All right. But we have not finished in First Corinthians yet. Okay. Wait. There's more. <laughs> let's go over to uh, – we're just going to hit some highlights. So we, we, we could cover a lot of information here, but let's just hit a couple of highlights. Let's go to chapter 5 and verse 1. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on amongst you, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Ew, what? That is festive. Okay, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't laugh at that. It just. It just. It's just like. Yeah. Gross. This is. This is really. Really wrong. Yeah. Legit. Not even the pagans were doing that. And. Paul is so, the, and and also the Bible says it's commonly commonly reported. In other words, no one's hiding this. Mm. This isn't this isn't hidden over. This is open sin. So people are okay with it then. And perversion, yeah. yeah. And so if you've ever lived in a church where there is open sin that goes unrebuked and you have ever questioned, is this God's church or not, then that's a very valid question because you would say, how could open sin exist in God's church? But here we have the Bible says this is God's church and open sin exists there. Mm -hmm. So when does it cease to be God's church? When is it time to leave? Is open sin or division a reason for leaving the church? Or is it still God's church? We need to find out the answers. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so let's make a list of what we have so far. So far we find that this entire church is unconverted. Secondly, we find out this church is bitterly divided. Thirdly, we find out that this church is harboring open sin. Wow, that's that's a pretty bad track record. But wait, there's more. There's oh no. <laughs> Go to First Corinthians chapter six and let's read verse six. Uh, which says, but instead one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. <laughs> so they're fighting so here's, each other. Here's how they're sorting out their church problems. Like, yeah, we've got disunity in our church. We've got problems in our church. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sue. And they've taken it. They're just taking each other to court. And I like how it mentions in front of non-believers. Yeah, the court system is all unbelievers. You know, the, the court system is uh, is not made up of church people. Which is kind of a reminder that we are a spectacle to, to, to others mm-hmm. and that, you know, we're supposed to be representing God on this. <laughs> okay, Corinth. If we muck it up like that, people are going to see. At this point in history, Corinth was the greatest city on the earth, just about. Oh, shame. This is the biggest church, sorry, the biggest city with the biggest church. And it is publicly in this big city, in this, you know, major center of the ancient world, this church is publicly just shredding itself to death as they're fighting each other through the court system. That's embarrassing. Oh, yes. No wonder Paul had a, uh, a letter to write mm-hmm. to First Corinthians. It's like, guys, get your, get, to, get your act together. What's going on here? But wait. 
there's more. There's more. <laughs> is it a set of steak knives? It <laughs> is not a set of steak knives, although I think probably a few Gluten of these people had, had, had their steak knives out trying to uh, dig at each other. Okay, so we could talk about Chapter 8, which is all about uh, issues over um, food offered idols. We could talk about Chapter... Uh, let me see, 12, which is all about, uh, 11 and 12, sorry, chapter 11, which is all about abuse of uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What? We could talk about, oh, let's go over to, let's, let's, let's turn over a few pages here. Let's go over to um, chapter 15. So there's a lot of things that we could talk about here. Let's go over to chapter 15. Uh, no, not chapter 15. We're coming it's to funny because when, when you say 1 Corinthians, most people automatically think of, oh, it's the wedding book. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, it's the, it's the one chapter of the Bible that even like non-believers <coughs> will have splashed all over the wedding, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. But then you, <laughs> you don't realize it. There is a reason for that. <laughs> there is a, a reason why Paul wrote about love in this book. <laughs> oh, it's such a because he was writing terrible to a, church. He was writing to a church where there was no love. Uh-huh. And uh, that produced, of course, the greatest love chapter in the Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, let's go to chapter eleven. Let's go to chapter eleven. Okay. And let's read for me chapter eleven and verse <gasps> twenty-one. See if this does your head in or not. Twenty-one says, "For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk." Okay. So there's a, there's a couple of issues that jump out here straight away. First of all, if you keep reading and you find the context, this is not talking about a fellowship lunch. Okay. This is talking about the communion service. Oh, are you serious? This is talking about the communion service. They hold the communion service and some people will go rush up and eat all the communion bread. That's so crazy. (laughs) And drink all the communion wine. And then they're drunk. And it's alcoholic wine. Oh, no. This is a disaster we have yeah, right here, isn't it? this is a disaster it? zone. So not only is it a spirit of selfishness, not only do you have drunkenness taking place, uh, but you also have, you know, gluttony. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole bunch of things going on right here and it's like, what is this, happening? This church no longer sounds like a church that might have its stuff together. This church sounds like a freak show. I'm wondering whether there is anybody who can call in and say, hey, my church is as bad as this yeah. one. Yes. Some pretty bad churches out there, but I'm just wondering whether anyone can call in and say, yep, mine can top this one. Maybe this is is. by far the worst I've ever heard. Yeah. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Okay, where we go? We'll go to chapter 15. We talked about chapter 15 a minute ago. Let's go to chapter 15. And let's go to... Ooh, let's go to chapter 15 and verse 12. 15 and verse 12 says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection from the dead? Also, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's false doctrine. Yeah, that's cool. They have a problem with false doctrine as well. (laughs) Mercy, mercy, mercy. So you look at it and think, Paul, you did a good job right here, didn't you? Great church. You planted in Corinth. (laughs) Paul. Oh, he must be so disappointed. Uh, It would just be crushing, wouldn't it? And, you know, you sort of think, well, you know, I guess um, God in heaven in a perfect universe uh, lost one of his most powerful created beings. Um, And so. We should not be that. we should not be beating up on ourselves so hard, um, but uh, yeah, I, it just um, hey wow, just amazing right here. All right, so let's let's summarize what we have. Mm-hmm. The Bible says this is God's church. 
Mm-hmm. That's very clear. Yeah. The Bible then says that this church, the whole church is divided. They're all unconverted. There is open sin and sexual perversion in the church. Nobody's doing it or saying anything about it. Um, they are fighting with each other, but not over the sexual sin and perversion. Yeah, I wonder what they were fighting about. They're taking each other to court. In front of non-believers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This mm-hmm. is like, yep, we're going to have this out. We're going to fight this through the court systems. Um, and then what did we have? We had issues over the gift of the Holy Spirit. We had the issues over the gift of tongues. We had the issues over um, food offered to idols. We had issues over communion service, which was attitudes of selfishness, attitudes of gluttony, attitudes of use of alcohol. Um, and then we finish up with they're just teaching some plain straight out false doctrine. They don't even believe in the resurrection. This is a rotten church. To the core. So this is a church we're supposed to leave? That's an interesting question. Because mm, it sounds like it. I mean, I would there be tempted to leave. There is a book in the Bible mm-hmm. that is called Second Corinthians. Oh, are you serious? There is a book called Second Corinthians. Is this another, like, diary of their disastrous church? No. This is the this is the exact opposite. Oh, this is more the diary of a church that has transformed itself and turned itself around, no. and become a new church. So we shouldn't leave the church. Okay, this is a really really valid question. What is it that actually constitutes God's church? If there is division in the church, does that mean that it is no longer God's church? Clearly not. If there is open sin in the church, does that mean that it is no longer God's church? Clearly not. If there is bad attitudes and people taking each other to court and selfishness and gluttony um, and drunkenness in a church, does that mean that it is no longer God's church? Clearly not. If there is false doctrine being taught in the church, does that mean that it is no longer God's church? Clearly not. So what is it going to take for it to no longer be God's church? This is the issue. It is the message that has been entrusted to the church. Okay. So the message that Paul gave to the church in Corinth was the true gospel message. They messed it up. But the true message was what was given to that church. And so what you need to do is you need to look at your church. Now, I'm not saying you stay in a church that has all these problems, and don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. because it may be very, very unhealthy for you spiritually, and it may be very, very unhealthy for you physically as well and emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that does not mean that the presence of these things means that it is no longer God's church. You must ask yourself the question, what is the message that was entrusted to this church? Which kind of takes the people out of the equation because the people don't give the church the message. It's God who gives the church a message. Exactly. And so when God comes to a church and God gives the church the everlasting gospel, God recognizes that that, that, that church being run by human beings on occasions we'll do terrible things. Mm. But that does not mean that the everlasting gospel is not there. That does not mean that if you went to the church in Corinth, you would not find the everlasting gospel because they had the word of God. They had the gospel. It was right there at their disposal. Anybody could go there and study it and learn it and find it. It is when a church no longer has that message. It no longer has the everlasting gospel and it is gone from it. Uh, that's when it ceases to be God's church. Or if it never had it in the first place. Plenty, plenty of churches out there that never had that in the first place. So is, is that something that 
they can achieve themselves is getting rid of the everlasting gospel or is that like a, a decommissioning from God? Is that what would have to take place? Yes, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point that you raise because there's another issue that comes up in Revelation chapter 2 where um, the church in Ephesus is addressed. Mm-hmm. And the church in Ephesus, you know, God comes to this church and like, hey, you guys are great, you work hard, um, you uh, are evangelistic, you're winning souls, you have you know, really strict integrity to the gospel, etc. It says a lot of good things about them. But then he comes back with a really interesting statement. We'll be right back after this. Jaden Levick with I Need the Every Hour here on Faith FM. 
You're back with Encounter with God, and we are looking at the issue of disunity in God's church, and particularly the issue of the church in Corinth. Mm. Okay, so we were talking about the church in Ephesus. Now, the church in Ephesus was a great church. We, we, in fact, let me read to you about the church in Ephesus. Tell me what you think of this church compared to the church in Corinth. Go on. Okay, let's go over there. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 gives you a description of this particular church, and it says, when I get there, da, 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 da. Okay, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear those that are evil and you've tried them or tested them. Those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them to be lies and and have worked and have patience and for my namesake has labored and has not fainted. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't transfer my membership to that one. (laughs) You would? Yeah, I would. Actually, do you know what? I have a question for you, Lyle. Okay, so guess what? Go on. This is the only church in the Bible... Yes. Where God actually threatens Uh-oh. that they are no longer going to be his church. Are you serious? Yeah. The only one? The only one in the Bible. But just said they work so hard. They do work hard. They're a hardworking church and they know their Bibles. You know, they can find out those who are teaching the truth and those who are not, right? Wow. So they know their Bibles inside out, back to front and upside down. They are a hardworking church. And yet they almost And Jesus got comes to this church and says... Unless you go and do something, I'm going to decommission you. You're no longer going to be my church. Browsing. I'm going to remove my light from you, he says. So what was the problem? Okay, the problem goes on. Here it is. Nevertheless, I have something against you. Uh-oh. You have left your first love. Oh. That's it. Nothing else. That's all. That's all that has happened. So they're basically just doing works. Yeah. So they're working hard and they know their Bibles, but they they're just Jesus. empty on the inside. They don't know Jesus. Man yeah. alive. So that's a, um, that's a pretty challenging passage there, really, when you think about it. Yeah. That is really – the two churches compared against each other and then – Yeah, you'd think, Jesus man, I'd, I'd, be, them, I'd be jumping out of Corinth and into Ephesus <laughs> so fast yeah. that you wouldn't see which way I went. Yeah, that's right. And then you realize that the church in Ephesus, they're working hard, they know their Bibles, they're, they're just going hard, but they don't know Jesus. It's they've all just lost for their, show. They've lost their connection mm-hmm. with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe it's all just for show. Maybe it's not all just for show. Maybe it's, they've, just, they've just got this, this cause that they're fighting for. They're trying to earn their salvation on. But they've, they've lost their connection with Jesus. And I think this is, you know, with both of these churches, what we find is conversion taking place as a result of these letters going out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a really wonderful thing, is that you've got this um, you got this whole situation where these are churches that turn themselves around through the power and through the grace of God, so that they become, you know, really powerful lights in God's kingdom. The reason that they are able to do that is because of the message that was entrusted to them, and that's the issue that you've got to look for. What is the message that was entrusted to this church? Can that message still be found in that church if I go looking for it? That's the issue. You see, what we've got, there are two aspects to God's church. It's what we call the visible and the invisible. So if you go along to uh, any church, Mon, um, <clears throat> have you ever done that uh, thing that um, teenagers sometimes do where you sit up the back and look over out over the congregation and go, uh, wheat? Tear, wheat tear. Yeah, never wheat, in my life, tear, okay, Lyle, never have done I that. done that. That's good. Judgmental beast. I have never done that myself either. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. But um, yeah, we used to joke about it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now there is a, you, you can't do that. That's impossible. Yeah. Um, and this is a really, really important thing. When it comes to salvation, we can never 
judge. Because we can never know another person's heart. We can barely know our own heart. Exactly. We can never judge, and that is so critical. Um, and the reason being is that we can't see a person's heart, as you just said, but God can. So God is the only one who can judge. You know the story of the uh, the parable that Jesus gave of the wedding feast and the man who turned up at the wedding feast with the wrong clothes on? Yes. So the, uh, the groom had given everybody um, clothes to wear, for the wedding feast. Give them all a new set of clothes. This guy turned up in his everyday clothes. You know what's interesting about that parable is that nobody else notices it, notices this, that, that notices that this man has the wrong clothes on except for God. Ooh. That's interesting. Yes. Because God they is can't. the only one. Yeah. They can't. They can't see. They can't see that he's not wearing the right clothes. Only God can read the human heart and only God can pass judgment. And, uh, and 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 so you know, in a, in a situation like this, you've got um, you've got a very very challenging. Um, you, you know, it, it becomes very very challenging because so often we are tempted to judge and we can't do that. Okay, so those who are converted make up God's church, mm-hmm. but that's invisible. So there is an invisible aspect to God's church. Okay. Then you have those who profess to be Christians. That's the visible aspect. That's visible. Yeah. You can go and look, oh, okay, this person, you know, their, their name is on the church books. They are visibly mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. connection. So which one of these two aspects of God's church do we need to be a part of? Both. Exactly. And so often we put all the emphasis on the invisible and say, oh, just, it's just all about conversion. The invisible aspect of God's church is where conversion and salvation takes place. That's necessary. The visible aspect of God's church is where outreach and evangelism takes place. And that is just as necessary. So you can't have one without the other. You know, some people are like, yeah, 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 we're just, you know, um, I'm a part of the kingdom of God because my name is written in the book of heaven. I'm never going to darken a church door in my life. And what they do is they cut themselves off from community and the ability to be able to band together as a community to reach out to others. You can do a limited work by yourself, but it's nothing like the work that you can accomplish when you unite your your labors, your efforts with other people of the same faith. Teamwork works a dream work. Exactly. Now it is within the, 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 the invisible church is perfect church. Because in the invisible church, the only people who are part of the invisible church are saved people. They're converted ah, people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All, the, the, the invisible church is, is full of converted people. There's no unconverted people in the invisible church. It's the visible one that has the problems. And at Corinth, we're not talking about the invisible. We are talking about the visible. And at Ephesians, we're talking about the invisible church, not the visible. Ooh. Ooh. Didn't think of that, huh? No, I didn't <laughs> see that before. Yeah. That is such a good observation. The story of the invisible church and the visible church. Yeah. And how wrong we humans can get that. How yeah. wrong we can. Anyway, all right, so um, <clears throat> we have a... Uh, I do have a little quick question yes. for you, Lyle. So when we're talking you know, about you know, leaving the church and the church and so forth, you know, when you say that, do you mean like 
leaving, let's say, a particular church building. Like you and I are part of Maitland SDA Church, right? Sure. So when we say, you know, during this Bible study, leaving okay, the church, so you do you can, mean the, the, Maitland? Yeah. Or would you mean like the Seventh-day Adventist church at large kind of a thing? Yeah, okay. And that's a very valid point. Sometimes you will need to leave a local church for your, your mental, physical, and emotional health. And spiritual health. Um, whether you're actually going to leave the entire denomination or not is a matter for studying um, the Bible. And finding out what is the message that not not the message that is being practiced by the believers, say in your local church, um, or even even wider than that, um, it is what is the message that has been given to this church. What is what is the actual message of this church? That's why I choose to be a Seventh Day Adventist because you know clearly I believe in the message of the Seventh Day Adventist Church to prepare people for the coming of Jesus Christ um, as a, as an end time uh, message to go out there and, and proclaim that Jesus is coming soon. Um, and you know, each one of you, whatever your faith background is, you know, these these are judgments that you need to make uh, for yourself. This is Anders Svensson with I Met the Saviour here on Faith FM. i 
They're living far longer and far happier than most people in the world. And now, their secret's out. Six regions have been identified as blue zones, places where people experience holistic health. And it's doing them a lot of favors. So do yourself a favor and come along to the free Rethink Health workshops, where we will explore six core principles of health and longevity proven through the Blue Zones at the Swansea Center Sunday, October 7, October 14, and October 21st. From 5 p.m. is where you'll find us. For more information, call 0402-528-869 or search for the Rethink Health event on Facebook. I saw your substance yet unformed Knew your days before you were born Love from ages past I've sworn I hold you in my care My thoughts towards you are deep and vast More countless than the ocean sands From your first cry to your last breath
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Grego Pele with The Call here on Faith FM. And we have come to the... Oh, nobody snapped up the quiz yet. I'm going to give you two clues in one. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Who am I? I reigned as king over Israel for two years. The house- ah, but he did not reign as king over Judah. Shh, listen, mm-hmm. I'm not finished. Okay. Interruption, uh-huh. Captain, uh-huh. here. I reigned over king as... I reigned... I reigned as king over Israel for two years. The house of Judah, however, followed David. Ah. I am the son of King Saul. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Who was this individual? A weird hyphened name. Give us a call. Yeah, I'll tell, tell you who it wasn't. I'll tell you who it wasn't. This will help you with a clue. It was not Mephibosheth. It was not Mephibosheth. Don't call us and tell us that name. Uh, but our but, number is 1-800-FACE-FM. But yeah. Saul did like those names that kind of sounded that way. He did, he did. So it was not Mephibosheth. It was the other one. The other one. <laughs> Give us a call if you know I couldn't remember Mephibosheth before and I knew it was It's either Mephibosheth or the, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this the other guy. And uh, <clears throat> thankfully I, I went with um, the other guy. Indeed. Okay, it's time for question of the day, Lyle. A question has come in from one of our listeners just yesterday. And the question is, what is the Jerusalem Council? Yeah, great question. If you want to find out about the Jerusalem Council, you simply go to Acts chapter 15 and you'll find the whole story of the Jerusalem Council. This was the very first church council ever held. And the issues that they were discussing in this particular council was the new uh, movement within Christianity where Christianity had now extended beyond Judaism and was now extending to the Gentiles. And they were unsure of how to relate to the Gentiles as, you know, very strict Jews for such a long time. Um, and, you know, particularly being culturally Jewish, they had certainly pro- certain prohibitions. They really didn't know how to relate to Gentiles. They'd never had to deal with this before. The Gentiles had lots of questions because they were like, do we need to become a Jew or can we stay as a Gentile to be a Christian? You know, what what is it that is actually taking place here? The central issue in the Jerusalem Council ended up being the issue of circumcision. Of course, this was the biggest barrier, and you can understand why. You know, an adult male doesn't want to be circumcised. That's a, a considerable barrier for somebody in that situation to becoming a Christian. It's like, okay, if I've got to be a Christian, then that's, that's a pretty tall order right there. And so because they did not have a clear instruction from Jesus, either in the Old Testament, the New Testament, or otherwise, on this particular issue, they held a church council. So this identifies for us and reveals for us the purpose of a church council. Now, I think most churches hold church councils on a regular or semi-regular basis. I know in our church we hold a church council once every five years. And a church council is a place where you can discuss and make decisions on things that don't appear to be clear in the Bible. They had no clear statement from Jesus. They had no clear statement from the Old Testament, which is the Bible they had at that particular time. And so they had to come to God in prayer, in humility, and to discuss this backwards and forwards and to look for the guidance, to find the guidance of the Holy Spirit on this matter. And so that's what took place. And this is the reason you have a church council. It's like, is there, there's, there's something here, you know, we don't find it to be clear. There is it is going to cause division in our midst. So let's get together and let's pray about this. Let's study about this. Let's read everything that there is on the Bible in this until we can actually find out what the answer is. Now, of course, in the Jerusalem Council, and there have been many councils down through history, but in the Jerusalem Council, the conclusion was um, we write to them that they abstain. 
from idolatry, from fornication or sexual immorality, from eating things that have been strangled, and from eating blood. That's a very short summary. So you've got a, a rather lengthy council uh, that takes place, which is summarized in just one verse and a few short words. But there are basically two things, two issues that are highlighted within this verse that they're writing to the Gentiles that you abstain from these things. And the first one refers to the Ten Commandments. It doesn't list all of the Ten Commandments, but enlisting some of the Ten Commandments obviously includes all of them. Uh, so you've got idolatry and sexual immorality. The, the Bible speaks about those. The second part refers to the health message, the health laws, that they don't eat things that are strangled. You know, Leviticus chapter 3 and verse 17 where it says, don't eat blood. And so this was the decision that was made by the Jerusalem Council. And of course, circumcision was seen as being unnecessary uh, to the Christian church. Thank you so much, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call. Number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that is greater than all our sin Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who see his face will you this moment his grace receive grace grace God's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace God's grace grace that is greater than Sins. 
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Bart Millard with Grace. That is greater here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show, Mon. Lyle, is Jesus really coming soon? He absolutely is really coming soon. I'm more convinced of it every day. And Hurricane Michael is just another evidence of that right there. We have a giveaway today. It is called Hope for a Helpless Planet by Chris Holland. It is a wonderful book and it addresses the question of is Jesus really coming soon? It says it's an age-old question, but seldom has the need for an accurate answer been more keenly felt than today. Everywhere we turn, it seems the world is falling apart. War, political unrest, an economy teetering on the edge of disaster. We live on a helpless planet filled with people desperate for hope. But there is good news. Jesus has given this wonderful assurance and promise. Let your heart let not your heart be troubled. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. In this book, Hope for a Helpless Planet, you will discover how he will come again and how to be ready to meet him. It's true, Jesus is coming again. Will you be ready? You know, you look at Hurricane Michael and we can see that it's caused obviously by natural causes, uh, but it is a record-breaking hurricane. Mm-hmm. And this is what the Bible says. We would have record-breaking events at the end of time. And so, you know, we're seeing more and more of record-breaking events take place, you know, just more regularly all the time. It seems we just set one record and another one is broken. Exactly. And so, uh, once again, yes, evidence that Jesus is coming again soon. And that's good news because our world is starting to fall apart and it would worry me if I didn't have the promise of the resurrection. If you'd like a copy of this book, Hope for a Helpless Planet by Chris Holland, you can contact us now. We have one copy. It's a free giveaway. Just be the first person to call us now. The number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. We'll send it to you completely free of charge. And of course, don't forget, if you'd like to study the Bible for yourself or if you'd like to do my Bible study course called The Prophetic Code, then also give us a call on 1-800-324-843. Uh, or text us 0491-064-669. We love you guys. We enjoy your company every morning and we look forward to seeing you again, talking to you again tomorrow. Is love.